102 this morning, Psalm 102. And uh, let me just say a word about Tim and Kippy Coley today. Uh, I remember these folks when I was a little kid, and uh, they have not changed at all. They have not changed at all, which is a positive thing. And uh, I love uh, Brother Tim and Miss Kippy. And the thing that I love about them, I think more than anything else, and uh, Brother Tim, I've told you this before, is that they're real. They're real. And uh, Brother Tim and Miss Kippy have seen a lot, done a lot, been a lot of places. And uh, they've always been the same. Always been the same. They're consistent. And uh, that's what I love about them. And uh, that's one of the reasons I'm thankful they're a part of our team. It's because they're consistent. And so appreciate you guys. And uh, did you have something you wanted to share? Okay, all right, sounds good. And I uh, just want to make sure you and Miss Kippy were okay. You're sitting up here and she's sitting back there. <laughs> you know, we're just talking about consistency. I want to make sure there wasn't a change or something I wasn't aware of. So, all right. I appreciate the Coley's. They're such a blessing uh, to me personally. To me personally. And uh, not trying to be funny, okay? It's, they're just a blessing. And so thank you guys for being who you are. And uh, you can clap for them. That's fine. <laughs> Let me say one thing uh, by way of announcement. Uh, if you... Uh, are not familiar with our growth group opportunities, let me encourage you before you leave to pick up a handout on the way out. Today is going to be the days you're going to feel overloaded with information between unlimited and between growth groups and between uh, just the different things that are upcoming. Uh, you received a handout this morning. It has some events on it uh, on the back. Uh, there upcoming events, and we have our fall handout that you'll get on the way out this morning. Uh, hope that you'll keep that with you or put it on your refrigerator, prominent place, so you feel in the know. Uh, but one of the ways that you can feel connected is through growth groups, small group Bible studies, and uh, this is just an opportunity for you to get to know some people. Uh, we learned many years ago that people don't mind a large church as long as it's small. People don't mind a large church as long as it's small. And the way that you feel connected, you feel in the know and know what's going on in the church is to get plugged into a small group. And uh, we have those on Sunday mornings at 9.30. We call them Sunday school. We have them Sunday nights and different various nights of the week uh, through growth groups. And so if you want to be plugged in and know what's going on in this big church that is a small church, uh, you need to be in a growth group. So I encourage you to sign up. There's a QR code and website you can go to and sign up. Psalm 102. Uh, let me lead off with this question. Have you ever had a moment where you cried out to the Lord for help? Or you just, hey, there is no other option. I have to cry out to the Lord. This is our last psalm that we'll deal with in our series, Summer in the Psalms. And we'll jump back into our series on the book of Mark next week in Mark chapter number 4 and 5. But uh, as we conclude this morning, many people would look at Psalm 102 as a messianic psalm, meaning that some of the comments you could relate to the Lord Jesus Christ, whether through his suffering time on the cross or a prophecy of things to come that relate specific to, specifically to Christ. Uh, David is not the author of this psalm, but regardless of who wrote it, uh, the writer is in trouble and he's crying out to the Lord for help. Similar to the conversation between the Lord Jesus Christ and His Heavenly Father on the cross. 
similar to the conversation that the children of Israel will have with God the Father throughout the tribulation period that is to come. Uh, We see in God's prophetic timeline of events that's still yet to come. But what we see is the Lord hears and answers just like he does today. No change. The Lord hears and answers. You might say, well, pastor, I've been praying for a long time and God hasn't given me what I want. But you overlook the fact that God has heard and he has answered. You see, God answers one of three ways. Yes, no, and there's the third answer. Sometimes that answer is not now or wait. But we also understand that when God says not now or wait, he does that on purpose. And that purpose is not to hurt us, but that purpose is to help us and to strengthen us. And we see that here in Psalm 102. Beginning in Psalm 102, let's look at verse number, uh, just the first three verses, just for context. It says, uh, Psalm 102, verse 1, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned as an hearth. My bones are burned as an hearth. Let's pray together and then dive in. Father, we thank you so much for your word and thank you for this psalm and how it relates to us. That there are days when we are hurting, when we have heartache and struggle and we go through trials and difficulties. But Lord, we have a place that we can run to and we can seek your help. And Lord, help us to realize that when we call to you that you do hear us and you do answer us. Even if it's not the answer that we might want, help us to trust you and know that you do in fact answer our prayers. Lord, please bless our time together this morning. Speak to us. Thank you for our time singing praise to you, being reminded of the sacrifice that you have made on our behalf. Help us to take comfort and joy and rejoice in that, glory and boast in the fact that you did that for us. Lord, I ask that you please help us to surrender whatever we're holding back from you today. Lord, speak to my heart. Please cleanse me of any sin unconfessed. Help me to be clean. And Lord, I ask that you please speak to each individual heart, whether in the room or watching online. Lord, please help us to get today what we need today. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down number one, the difficulty. The difficulty. Whether it's physical, financial, emotional, or spiritual, there is a place when we can take our burdens. And the psalmist gives Three avenues in which he is hurting or he is struggling. Uh, Number one, he says, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Verse 1 and 2. He says two words very clearly in verse 1 and 2. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. And then verse 2, he says, hide not thy face from me. He says, Lord, I, I want you to see me and I want you to hear me. And Lord, I want you to Listen, lean in. Uh, Lord, I want to know that you see. Think about, uh, he said, Lord, hear me when I pray. He said, Lord, look at me. Tell me what you see and tell me how you can help me. Have you ever had your kids come up to you and give you a story uh, that when you look at the situation, you realize it's not as bad as they make it out to be? Uh, Where they feel like, uh, man, they've got a cut or a scrape or a scratch and they feel like, man, it's like an amputation. Uh, where they feel like they're dying 
on the spot, uh, you know, call the ER, prep them, get them ready for me to come and get my Band-Aid. You know, you, you understand that? Or, or maybe when they say, Mom, I'm starving. And you're like, we just ate 20 minutes ago. Or they say, Mom, can I have a snack? I'm hungry. We think we just ate an hour ago. It's bedtime, you know. Uh, Think about it's not as bad because you as the parent look and see the overall picture. And you say, you know what? It's not as bad as you make it out to be. Imagine God's perspective when we call and say, Lord, help me. Lord, do something right now. I'm down here dying. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. But why did the psalmist pray? Why did he even bother? Because he knew that the Lord would be listening. He knew the Lord was listening. Psalm 17 and verse 6 tells us, I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Incline thine ear unto me and hear my speech. Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and what? Heard my cry. Do you know this morning that the Lord is listening when you pray? Do you know that the Lord is listening when you call to him, that he is listening? My favorite verse in all the Bible is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Think about the fact that the children of Israel in that time period had gone a a long time without talking to the Lord. We're living in such a way as if God didn't even exist. And the Lord reminds Jeremiah, the prophet, who, as far as the world is concerned, didn't really have a lot of converts to his name. But Jeremiah is preaching to deaf ears, people who weren't even listening. And God said, Jeremiah, just remind them, all they have to do is call. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. The question is this morning, do you know anybody else like that? That will stop everything that they're doing. Oh yeah, pastor, I've got friends like that. I've got a family like that. Well, that's good, but they're not God. They might say, you know, I, uh, pastor, I'll pray for you. Hey, brother or sister, I'll pray for you. and I'll sit and hold your hand, but they might not be able to help you. God is the one who listens and helps. Uh, E.M. Bounds said this, Four things let us ever keep in mind. God hears prayer. God heeds prayer, God answers prayer, and God delivers by prayer. Ian Bounds. I love what Robert Murray McShane said. He said, God will either give you what you ask or something far better. God will either give you what you ask or something far better. But how often do we think, in our mind, that the Lord has to give me exactly what I ask for? Or it's not going to be good. God, I know what I need. I know that this is what I'm asking for. And this is what I want. This is what will help. And this is what you have to give me. If that is our mentality, then who is God? Him or us? Is God God? Or have we put ourselves in that place? Where we feel like we know what's best. Do we ever consider that the struggle that we're having or that we're going through might be there to teach us something? Might be there to develop us, to strengthen us. Uh, the, The writer says, Lord, I'm struggling here. 
And maybe you're struggling this morning. Maybe you feel like the writer. and I've prayed and prayed and I feel like God just hasn't come through. But look on in verse number 3. He says, not only am I struggling, he says, I'm stunned. Here is a dangerous part of the process of hurt. He said that he had stopped eating. Look at verse 3. For my days are consumed like smoke. They just pass. I feel like as soon as I wake up, it's time to go to bed. And they just roll by. My bones are burned as in hearth. I have a heartburn. Not necessarily physical heartburn like we would know. But man, my heart just burns all the time. I'm hurting, constant pain. Verse 4. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. He said, this struggle that I'm going through is now affecting my body. Verse 5, by reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I have forgotten to eat and now I've lost weight. Now I've sunken into this area of depression where my body is starting to tell others around me that something is wrong. He goes into verse 6 and 7, talks about different animals. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. Uh, There's nothing to eat. I'm like an owl of the desert. I can hunt, but I can't find anything. I watch, and I'm at a sparrow alone upon the housetop. My enemies reproach me all the day. He says, not only am I hurting on the inside, now my body is affected. All of my attention is now on the enemy, and I'm looking around at people who have ways to hurt me. How much, isn't it just like us to look out instead of up? Uh, Look, uh, just like in verse 8, the psalmist says, look at all my enemies. And yet, God is above watching over us and our enemies. Remember uh, the servant, Elisha, uh, his servant in 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 15. Uh, This is so much like us. And those of you who know the story, you know where I'm going. Uh, This is just like us. Verse 15 of 2 Kings chapter 6, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early, and he was going to get that uh, cup of coffee and uh, get his start for the day, get in the newspaper, uh, checking out what was going on, he goes outside, risen early, gone forth, behold, and hosts come past the city both with horses and chariots. Goes outside, the Lord is in control, the Lord is good. And he goes out, and, uh, I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails. Goes out, he's got his coffee in his hand, and I won't talk about what brand, uh, but uh, he's, got, he's got his coffee in his hand, and he goes outside and immediately recognizes that the entire city is surrounded by the enemy. Now, he just sang, the Lord is good, he's in control, uh, your mercy never fails me. And he sees what's going on on the outside. And his response should be, the Lord is in control, the Lord is good, and he's merciful. But what is he, how does he respond? Verse number 16, uh, excuse me, the end of verse 15. His servant said unto him, alas, my master, how shall we do? You know what he said? Ah! That was his response. He drops the cup of coffee. What a waste. He drops the cup of coffee and he runs inside. He forgets the paper and he says, Elisha, what are we going to do? We're getting ready to die. That was his response. It's there in the Hebrew. Uh, Verse 16. And he answered. This is Elisha. This is the prophet of God speaking. And he says, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And I got a feeling at this moment in time, the servant's like, Looking around. You know, my mom and dad used to say, Do you have, when we say we, we, 
We, uh, my mom and dad would say, you got a frog in your pocket? You know, we, uh, but, and this servant is perplexed. Elisha, did you call somebody? You got friends coming? I mean, look at all those people. What does Elisha do? In verse 17, Elisha prayed. What a great response. When you don't know what to do, you pray. When you don't know what step to take next, you pray. You don't try and figure it out on your own first and say, well, if this doesn't work, then I'll ask God. Our first stop is the Lord. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. Aren't you glad that somebody, there's always somebody in your life who sees what you don't see? Somebody in your life. Man, pastor, uh, this is horrible. Hey, friend, hey, co-worker, hey, family member, this is bad. And somebody sees what we don't. And what happens? And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. That army that was surrounding them was surrounded. That army that was around Elisha was surrounded by another army of fire. That's not just, you know, a couple guys with bazookas. You know, that, that's big stuff. But he didn't see it. That's the point. He was so focused on looking out that he forgot what was up. Remember Peter in Matthew 14 when the, Jesus said, Hey, why don't you get out of the boat and come, come walk to me? And I love Peter. Lord, if it's you, if it's really, really, really you, you tell me to come out there. And Jesus said, come on. Come on. And what happens? But when he saw the wind boisterous, Peter, I'm going to get out here and I'm doing this whole thing. And all of a sudden he looks around. Instead of keeping his eyes on Jesus, he looks around. And he saw the effect of the wind around him. He saw the waves. And what happens? He begins to sink. And that's just like us, church. When we take our eyes off of the Lord, we take our eyes off of the one who's in control and put them on things that we can't control, we lose control. Let me say that again. When we take our eyes off of the one who is in control and we put our eyes on things that we can't control, we lose control. And the Lord, what does he do? We know the end of the story. The Lord saves Peter, rebukes him for his lack of faith, because the one who created the waves was on the water with Peter. And it's no different in your and my life today. The one who created the wave, who created the storm, is in the storm with you. He's there. And it's easy to get distracted by things that are going on around us and draw our attention away from him. It doesn't mean that there won't be times of hurt, but there should be moments of hope in that hurt, knowing that he's in control. Ecclesiastes 8 verse 12, Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. The writer says, I'm struggling. He says, I'm, sh- I'm stunned, all this stuff that's going on. And then thirdly, he said, I'm shrinking. Verse 10 and 11. Because of thine indignation and thy wrath, thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. 
The shadow he mentions here, he's talking about the end of his life. My life is coming to an end. I know that. And you know, realize all of us have an expiration date. Every single one of us has an expiration date. A time when our life here on earth will come to an end. But we have to live each day knowing that and preparing for it. Oh, Pastor, you know, I've got my life insurance and I've got uh, my retirement account and I've already got my paper signed for my family and what's going to happen after I'm gone. I've got all of that taken care of. But what about the spiritual side? What about our spiritual life? What about our spiritual health? Because here's the question. If the majority of my existence will be lived in eternity, shouldn't I focus my attention on that world instead of this one? I want to illustrate that this morning. Think about the, the entirety of my existence. The majority of my existence. All right, and this is a kind of crude illustration, but think about this roll of string. And uh, Adam, let, let me get your help here. Adam Yates, come up here and help me, if you will, please, sir. Now, I want you to think about the entirety of this string. All right, this is a lot of string. This string seems to go on forever, okay? Uh, Adam, I'm going to let you take this string, and I'm going to just have you walk. And if you'll go out this door over here and go out uh, into the lobby, if you will, okay? All right? All right, so here we go. He's going. He's on his way. All right. Don't drop the ball. That's essentially life that we're talking about, okay? So don't drop the ball. All right, and it's going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. He could be. He could be. He could go all the way. Don't get Bruce. Sorry. Sorry, guys. All right. All right, now stop right there, Adam. Okay, you can stand right there in the doorway, okay? All right, thank you, John. Now, still got a ball of string. Y'all see Adam? Still got, a, still got a lot to go, okay? A lot of string left. All right, so let's say just for example... That this is your life. Okay? Now, I'm not talking about this is your life. Your life on earth is this little red piece. This is your life on earth. This is your birth. This is your childhood. This is your school. Uh, This is your college. This is your marriage. This is your kids. This is your grandkids. And your death. Right here. This is your life. But this is the rest of your life. So, Pastor, what are you talking about? Because you're alive right now, and when you die, your life doesn't get cut off and it's over. According to the Word of God, you're still going to live somewhere. You're going to live in a place the Bible calls heaven, or you're going to live in a place the Bible calls hell. But you're still going to live somewhere forever. And this string represents the rest of your life. It keeps going and going and going. Because every single one of us are going to live somewhere forever. All of us. But we put so much emphasis on this part that we forget all about this part. But what is important to know today, what you do in this part determines all this part. Say, Pastor, does that mean that how I live my life Not really. But what you choose about Jesus in this part determines where you spend that part. 
See, it's not about the good that you do or if you've been baptized or if you've been a good person. You know, I, Pastor, I've never smoked or drank or chewed or run with those that do. You know, I, I've never done those things, but, you know, Pastor, I'm good. Uh, Pastor, when I die, that God's going to weigh all my good stuff and my bad stuff. And if my good outweighs the bad, then I'll get in. And if it doesn't, let me just give you a newsflash right now. You could never do enough good to outweigh your bad. It's not going to happen. Never, ever, ever. If you started today and you were perfect for the rest of your life, you still got what's behind you to deal with. It's not going to work. It all comes down to what have you done with Jesus? So we think about this illustration, it really comes down to what have you decided about Jesus in this portion? Because this portion determines the rest of your eternal destination. All right, Adam, if you'll just kind of pull that string and you can wind it back there, just go ahead and pull all of it. I'll let go and you can take care of it. Thank you for your help. Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Hebrews 9, 27, even and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. Every single person in this room, every single person that you've ever known, ever met, will stand before God one day and give an account. Every single person. And the Bible is very clear there's only two destinations. Heaven or hell. There's no middle ground. There's no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's no holding place. None of it. There's either heaven or hell, and everybody in this room is going to one of those two places. When you die or the Lord returns, we are all going to one of those two places, and it all comes down to what you've done with Jesus. That's what makes the difference. Nothing else. Nothing else matters, church. It's all what have you done with Jesus. To receive him is to escape the punishment that is waiting. But to reject him is to accept that you'll pay that punishment yourself. And I can promise you, you don't want to do that. You don't want to spend eternity. You're talking about eternity. Our minds can't fathom eternity. That's forever. You're going to spend eternity somewhere forever. And it's either a place of suffering unlike anyone in the world has ever known. Or it's a place of God's love and peace in that place called heaven. And how foolish would it be for you or I to reject a free gift that's being offered to you? You think about a, a gift card. All right, you think about a gift card. This is a $25 gift card. And I want to give it to somebody this morning. It even says gift card. It says gift card. And I want it to give it to someone. Uh, this morning. And uh, Gabe, come up. Everybody loves it when I use Gabe for an illustration. All right, He's not a jerk, okay? Just so everybody is aware. Uh, it depends on the time. Yeah, that's right. All of your friends who love you said that, just so you know. Uh, but I want to give you a gift, okay? It's a Visa gift card. Is that good? Okay, all right. It's a gift. All right, so this is a Visa gift card, it, and it has $25 loaded on it. This is legit, okay? All right, so I'm going to give Gabe a gift. All right, everybody understand? Gift. All right, so if I'm going to give Gabe a gift, what does Gabe have to do to take the gift? Okay? All right, but wait, 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 hold on a second. Before I give you a gift, all right, I, I want you to do something. All right, before you take this gift, 
Um, I want you to give me 20 push-ups. 20. Can you do 20? All right. Can you do three? Yeah. All right. Let's do 20. Okay. All right. You can do it. All right. So let's do it. All right. 20. Man, he's getting. Are you? All right. You take your shoes off. You can, I was going to say, you can put your feet up against the um, riser if you need to. All right. Yeah, I'm glad. All right. We'll stand over here. All right, here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, lower, 12, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 18, 18, 18, 19, 20. Okay, you're good. All right. All right, now here's the thing. Good man. Good job, by the way. Just like we practiced before. All right, so I'm glad. I'm super proud of you. All right. Now, all right, so you're sweating just a little bit. Okay. Now, all right, so here we go. I'm going to give you, thank you for doing the push ups like I asked you. Now I'm going to give you a gift card. Now hold on. Let me ask you a question Is this still a gift card? Now, wait a minute. Think about this. Is this a gift card? But when I give it to him, is it a gift card? No. Why? Because he had to work for it. So here's the thing. Let's relate this to salvation. You're going to get the gift card, okay? All right. (laughs) Relate to salvation. Jesus said, call unto me. Hey, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that a gift? Yes. Is it free? Yes. Did you have to do anything to earn it? No. So what do you have to do to get it? You just have to receive it. You receive it. But if you have to do anything on your part, it's no longer a gift. And can I say that? If you have to do anything on your part to get it, it's no longer salvation. You don't get saved. If you have to do something to earn it, there is no salvation. It's not Jesus plus you equals salvation. It's Jesus plus zero equals salvation. All you have to do is trust that when I say, here's a gift, you got it. Now, he's got a $25 gift card, all right? We're going to lunch. Yeah, okay. All right, you can go sit down. Yes, you get to keep it. So think about, think about our life today and the difficulty here. The difficulty is that we overcomplicate what God has promised. We overcomplicate the simplistic nature of faith. Hey, it's not faith plus what I can do, or faith plus I get baptized, or faith plus I come to church, or faith plus. No, it's faith. It's faith, plain and simple. And our prayers are no different. Hey, Lord, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to work like crazy to make sure that you come through. No, 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 no. It's faith. But the psalmist says, this is difficult. The difficulty. Number two, he says, the difference. Uh, He's almost at a mental breakthrough uh, about uh, talking about himself. He realizes that he's talking about someone else. He talks about his patience in verse 12 and 13. And uh, talked about uh, the Lord might not be responding when the writer would prefer, but that he has. He said, but thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever. Thy remembrance unto all generations. That means that there's no situation that the Lord will not come through for. Nothing will separate us from that love. 
Romans 8, 35, 38 through 39. It says, verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, nor things to come, height, death, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, once we have him, once we receive the gift, that gift is ours forever. He's always with us. And he doesn't have to do that, by the way. It's because of his mercy, verse 13, when he talks about merciful. He does that because he's merciful. That's who he is, by the way. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23, it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. But why does he show us mercy? Does he just do that to let us off the hook? No. He shows us mercy so that we in turn can be merciful to others. He has shown us love so that we can love others. He has shown us grace so that we will be gracious to others. That's why he does that. We think about the grace that we need. Oh, Pastor, I need grace. Yes, I need mercy. I need all these things. But what about the person sitting next to you? What about the person at work tomorrow? What about the person that you don't like? They need that grace and mercy. They need love and forgiveness. Not just his patience, his provision, verse 14 through 17. When the Lord answers, it's an encouragement. But it also shows those around us that the Lord is alive and active in our lives. And he desires to do the same thing for them. What do you have to be happy about on a bad day? Everything. They say, Pastor, I don't like my life. But God is still good. God is still faithful. Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, he has patience for us. He has this great provision for us. But then number three, we see his purpose. Verse 18 through 24. This shall be written for the generation to come. Think about the fact that how in the world did a generation go from Egypt all the way to the promised land to just a few short years later they had forgotten all about the Lord? How did that happen? It's very simple. They got to the point where God was not the center focus of their lives. If God is not the center focus of your life, you don't talk about Him. You don't tell other people about Him. If God is not the central focus and the drive of your life, there's no real reason to come to church. There's no real reason to read about Him and His Word. There's no real reason to pray. None of those things. So they forgot Him. And because of that, the next generation didn't know about him. And we're living that today in the United States of America. The previous generation and the previous generation and the previous generation have stopped talking about him. Have forgotten about him. Not everybody, but enough to make a devastating impact to our society. That's where we are. Psalm 33, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. We've seen a spiritual superpower become a prideful power. 
That's where we live today. And that happens when we start thinking and believing that we don't need him. We see in Alistair Begg said, There is no intellectual road to God. No, we need God to wake us up to our need of a Savior. How much do you need him today? We sing the song, I need thee, oh, I need thee. But do we really live like we need him? Lastly, this morning, we see the devotion. He said, I'm struggling. All these things, it's difficult. He talks about the difference. The Lord is the one who endures. The Lord is the one who delivers. And then lastly, we see the devotion in verse 25 through 28. And we see that everyone wants to believe that they've got the best. We see that what's behind. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of thy hands. Everything that's behind. Now we like to think that, man, I've got the best wife. I've got the best kids. I've got the best job. I've got the best retirement account. I've got all these things. But think about our God. See, we might have days where we might say, you know what? My kids aren't really the best kids. We might have days where, you know, my husband and my wife, nah, uh, may, you know, at days. I'm not talking about today. I'm at days, all right? You might say, well, you know, it would probably be better if I had a different job, you know. I might have the best job. I, I might have a, a, a better retirement account over here or a better bank account if I work there. But think in contrast to God. We don't think that way with God. We don't sit back and say, you know what? I could use a better God. But isn't that how we live? You know, I don't really need him every day. You know, I think about this job. I kind of got this on my own, and I went to school, and I worked, and I, I've gotten myself to this point. And when I need God, I'll let him know. We've tried to, without saying, upgrade God. Saying, I really don't need him. When in reality, the psalmist said, you're the one God who's done all this. You look, laid the foundations of the earth. It's because of you. We see Job had that problem. Job 38 verse 4. David said, what is man in Psalm 8 verse 4. And one of the traits of wicked men is found in Romans 125. When they start worshiping and serving the creature more than the creator. We're living there. We think about our life today. What would our lives be like if we spent more time focusing on our relationship with him and what he thought about us instead of what others thought about us? How would your life be different if you thought, man, how is this going to affect my relationship with God rather than what will so-and-so think about it? What will they say? What will they think? What will they do? Let's think about what will God say? What will God do? What's behind? And then Lastly, we see what's before, last three verses. They shall perish, talking about the world that has been formed, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. A vesture shalt thou change them, they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. He talks about what's ahead. and You know, it's super simple. What's ahead of us? He is. He is. Because our world will come to an end. Our life will come to an end. Our time will come to an end. But he'll be there. He will endure. See, you and I might have a funeral in our future. But that doesn't mean that our lives are over. Think about that string that keeps going and going and going. Hey, our lives are going somewhere. 2 Corinthians 5, 6-8. through 
Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. Today, are you putting too much emphasis on this life instead of the next one? Are you putting more focus, more of your attention and care on this world instead of the one to come? Have you lost focus or are you even focused at all? Are you looking ahead rather than looking on the present day? If we've got eternity ahead of us, shouldn't we consider that world instead of the one that we're in today? Maybe you're here today and you haven't done anything to prepare for that next life. Prepare for eternity that's to come. God, I challenge you to get that settled today. Maybe you're focused on your job and so many things that you've got going on in this life that you've forgotten or neglected your spiritual walk with him. Could I challenge you today to get that settled? Get your priorities right. Not saying that those things are unimportant. I'm just saying, where do they line up on what's best? Because at the end of your life, nobody cares how much money you made. We care more about where you're spending eternity. And that should be our focus. When I step into the next life, what will that entrance look like? So this morning... Are you ready? Are you doing anything to prepare for what's ahead? Every head bound, every eye closed, and we prepare for our time of invitation and reflection. Let me just simply ask you what we just mentioned. Are you ready for the life to come? Are you ready? If you died today, are you 100% for sure that you'd be on your way to heaven? Do you know where you'll spend eternity? Do you know? Has that been settled in your own mind, in your life? Do you know where you will wake up? After you close your eyes in death. Maybe you're here watching online. You say, you know, I I really don't know. Uh, Pastor, I don't know if I died, I'd be on my way to heaven. I'm not convinced. I'm not sure that I'll go to heaven. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know what it means to be a Christian. You know, it's super simple. It's simply acknowledging that you have a sin debt that you cannot cover on your own. It's acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross and bled for you and was buried for you and rose for you. Just like the Bible says. And then it's simply asking him to apply what he did on the cross to your life. That's what salvation is. Plain and simple. It's not a to-do list of things that you can accomplish. It's trusting in what he has already done. And maybe this morning you need to talk to someone. Our personal workers are all around the room and would love to talk to you, pray with you, encourage you, whatever you may need. Maybe right there in your seat, you would call out to the Lord for the very first time and surrender your life to Him. And I hope that you would do that if you've not already done so. Maybe you're here this morning and your priorities are out of line. You're not what you should be because your priorities aren't what they should be. Could I challenge you this morning? To talk to the Lord about what he has talked to you about. And simply surrender whatever part of your life you're struggling with. It might be a personal need. It might be a financial need. It might be some kind of physical ailment. It might be some kind of priority issue. You're not reading your Bible, praying, spending time with him like you should. Whatever the need is, would you simply talk to him this morning? This time of reflection is all about what we do with what we've heard today. How the Lord has spoken to our hearts. 
And I hope that you'll take just a moment this morning before the busyness of the rest of the day takes over. And you'll simply talk to him about how he has talked to you in your heart this morning. I'm going to be right down front. If you need to pray with someone or talk with someone, we would be honored to do that. Or if you have a next step that we can help you take, we would be honored to do that. Father, thank you so much for your word. and Thank you for the challenges that you point out in Scripture that apply to us. Lord, there are times when all of us, including myself, Lord, we have lost focus on you. Our priorities have not been right. Lord, where we have put ourselves on the throne of our heart instead of you. And Lord, I ask you, number one, to forgive us. But then number two, Lord, please restore us. And help us to see the error of our way and Help us to come home this morning. Lord, help us to surrender back to you, afresh and anew, and start again. Lord, please use us this morning. Speak to hearts. If there's one here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, please help today to be their day of salvation. Help them to trust you as their personal Savior. Repent of their sins. And Lord, please save them when they acknowledge who you are and what you've done. We love you. Thank you for loving us and proving that love to us on a daily basis. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with us, please. We're going to sing.